Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. From there, she was able to work with ASU's Athletics Media Relations Department, Salt River Fields, Camelback Ranch, the Phoenix Suns, and the Arizona Coyotes. Having grown up in Scottsdale, Arizona, this was heaven for Courtney. After graduating, she made the move to radio. Courtney was at iHeartMedia in Phoenix for almost three years in a client services role. There, she made connections with partners on both a local and national level. A quick trip to Memphis for a Redbirds Aces series turned into a love for minor league baseball. The timing worked out perfectly as a role with Reno Aces opened up just a couple of weeks later. Now she's in Reno. Courtney works with the team's top partners across all corporate partnerships as an account manager. In her time off, Courtney can be found crushing some Chipotle. She tells me she orders the same thing every single time, hanging out with her friends, playing with her two dogs, or enjoying a movie day to herself. Post-interview, Courtney shared some really big news. She's accepted a new role in her hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona with Sabre, the Society of Baseball Research, as their community engagement manager. Am I mad she's leaving our team? Heck no. I'm pumped for her to head home and take the next step in her career. You see, sports is all about moves. There's a lot of moves for players. There's a lot of moves in the front office. It's seizing the day and taking your next best opportunity. I'm grateful for all the time she gave to the Aces and the excellent service she personally gave to my clients and partners. You are the best, CB. So without further ado, let's go. On part four of the Young Leaders series, I interview Courtney Baker, Corporate Partnerships Account Manager with the Reno Aces. I'm excited to wrap up this four-part summer series, digging into what the young people in the office really want with someone from my hometown team and office. Courtney Baker has always considered herself a sports nerd. While doing competitive cheerleading for eight years doesn't quite fit the mold of a typical baseball, football, basketball fan, watching a game was always her escape from reality. Being at the ballpark was like being at her second home. Her passion for watching sports quickly turned into a a desire to work in sports. While attending Arizona State University, she decided to take a leap of faith and get her start with Arizona Diamondbacks in a seasonal role. All right, the final part of the Young Leaders series, we welcome Courtney Baker, Corporate Partnerships Manager for the Reno Aces and host of the Storytime podcast. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. I am pumped to have you here. I had to bring it home to Reno. 
I couldn't finish the Young Leader series without highlighting just one of the amazing young leaders we have in the organization that I work for, the Reno Aces. So pumped to have you. And we've got so much to cover today. So I want to get into it with you introducing yourself and just telling us who you are, what you do, and how you got to your current position. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Courtney Baker. Um, Like you said, I am the uh, Corporate Partnerships Account Manager. So basically, uh, it's a very broad title, but the way that I sum it up, as you know, because I work directly with all your partners, the partner accounts are sold, and then it's passed off to me to kind of manage, you know, the day-to-day activation, all of that. Um, so how I got here, I kind of, it kind of throws people off because my role is one that started at technically an entry-level title, but I came in with, I think, seven years of experience. Um, so I started in sports, went to ASU um, because if you've been in the area, you know that is the prime area for sports lovers. Um, worked in spring training in a couple places with the Suns, ASU Athletics, Diamondbacks, kind of did it all. Um, and then I graduated early so I could work at Camelback Ranch full-time as the marketing assistant with the White Sox and Dodgers. Um, and then after that, I really hit a crossroads because I couldn't find anything full-time in sports. Um, at that point, I had started looking after spring training, which was my mistake. Um, Too late, everybody had already done their off-season hirings. So I spent a few months trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? I had it in my head. Sports are the only option for me. Um, And I was so blessed to have landed at iHeartMedia in Phoenix. Um, I was a client services manager. I was there for almost three years, worked with a ton of our largest radio partners, Um, helped with the event side, all of that. And that was super fun. But, you know, I'm such a sports geek. I was like, all right, I really miss sports. And I had actually taken a trip to Memphis. I was like, I want to see a minor league game. I picked Memphis because it sounded like a cool city. And we ended up playing the Aces. It was a Memphis Redbirds versus Reno Aces game. Um, So I went to a few of those and fell in love with minor league baseball. Obviously, being from Arizona, I had known of the Aces, knew when players got their big league call-ups. And then a couple weeks later, the job posting came for um, the coordinator role here. And it all just kind of worked out perfectly. Um, A little over a month later, I got to Reno. Had never been here before, um, but knew the job was a good fit for me. And uh, I've been here since. So, so much in that story that I've got questions about, and I know our listeners do too. You got a lot of experience in sports while you were in college. How did you do that? How did you get started? You worked for almost every major team in the Phoenix area. How did you get your start with those teams? Yeah, so it's something that I tell a lot of people, just get your foot in the door wherever you can. It was my second semester of freshman year, so I was still in the dorms, auditioned to be a rally back, which is kind of the Dimebacks cheerleaders promo team. Didn't get that, but I did see there was a position open as a 50-50 raffle ticket salesperson. And I was like, all right, this is not my ideal job. You know, as well as I do, yelling at people to buy raffle tickets is not (laughs) something that people could see me doing. Um, But I knew I had to get my foot in the door. So I did that. And then from there, it all just kind of fell into place. Once I had the Dimebacks on my resume, 
Um, I then went to ASU Athletics Media Relations, um, then went on the media side, actually, and then Suns. And the only team I haven't or didn't work for was the Cardinals. And it was all about just kind of grinding it out. Uh, School-wise, I always took the max amount of credits. Um, and sometimes I'd be working two jobs at once, like Suns and spring training. Um, so I did a lot online. It was a lot of work a long day. Um, and then go home and do schoolwork until midnight, one in the morning. Uh, so it's definitely a grind. I also graduated in three and a half years, uh, just kind of getting that out of the way so I could focus on work. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my path. I tell people it's, you have to love sports if you're going to do it the way I did it, because I definitely had a busy schedule seven days a week, but it was so worth it. And for me, it kind of just kept me on the right track through college to where I could figure out what I wanted my career to be, knew the right people to get connected with as an 18, 19 year old. And it all just kind of fell into place from there. Yeah, I know that you are a sports lover through and through. And for the listeners, I've got to tell you, people bring Courtney with on meetings so she can talk shop about sports. She probably knows more than anybody in our organization about uh, what's going on with the D-backs and what's going on in MLB. So huge kudos to you. I think she shocks people a lot of times with her knowledge and, and her recall of any player's statistics. So I love that. And the question I was going to ask you is why do you work in sports? I know that you love sports, but, but dig into the why. I think it just goes back to me being a kid. Um, I always grew up, I've, I'm the oldest of four, but my two younger brothers played baseball from T-ball through high school. Um, I've always, I haven't been a tomboy, but I've definitely been the sports side of that, you know, tomboy area. Um, so, you know, growing up, having football Sundays with my dad, my grandpa, and my uncles, just kind of always being a sports nerd, which is crazy because people assume with me being 5'11", oh, you were a basketball player, a volleyball player. No, I was a competitive cheerleader that loved all the guy sports too and would love just hanging out, watching a baseball game, football, basketball, whatever it was. So for me, as I got to high school, I just really became interested in the behind the scenes of it. I loved being a fan. I still am a fan. We'll still go to games as a fan, but just the whole production, there's so much that people don't realize goes into it. So for me, that was just so intriguing. And then after the first couple jobs, learning the different areas, I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about when you left uh, or when you graduated from college and you went to work for iHeartMedia. You worked there for several years. And I remember when you landed at the ACES, I had had some radio experience in my past as well, um, some internships in college. And I was pumped that you came from that background, especially working in corporate partnerships. So a lot of times people think you have to have this really linear path from one sports team to the next in order to climb the ranks in an organization. What did working at iHeartMedia add to your skill set as you took on a new job in corporate partnerships? That's a really good question. And I think some people just in sports see radio and they automatically assume there's nothing that translates over. Um, So I think for me, Phoenix is such a big market. I think we were top five at iHeart. We put, there was so much revenue going through so many huge agencies and partners and national level uh, clients and stuff like that. So I really learned 
um, just client management was the biggest skill. Um, the closest I got to that was either at Camelback Rancher with the Suns, where I was just the lower level, either the intern or the seasonal assistant, where I didn't really get to fully dive into accounts. But iHeart gave me the chance to be the face of iHeart with those large accounts, um, the one that they relied on to get the renewals. And I just learned so many professional skills on you know, how to handle conflict when there's a huge agency that has an issue or radio, it feels like there's always fires going on because radio's nonstop with tight deadlines and last minute orders and everything like that. Um, So just really learning how to handle the stress of dealing with multi-million dollar partners um, and learning how to do it in a professional way and um, building those relationships to where you know, after I left, I could still keep in contact with people. And um, it's, I'm so grateful for that whole experience. So if you heard Courtney there, that was like the perfect answer to an interview question, like as if I was interviewing you for a job, the way that she related her experience with iHeart to what her current role is with corporate partnerships. I think as if you're a hiring manager, that's what you want to hear is how do they pull things from their prior experience into what, what the next role could be today and how does that benefit the company? So A plus on that answer and it's, it's helped to build your career. And, you know, I know firsthand how great Courtney is at working with our corporate partner. She takes really good care of mine and, and many other people on the team. So you mentioned a little bit about keeping in touch in that answer and you have a natural ability to keep in touch, not only with, business contacts, but with the players and the players' families that you've met along your career in sports. How do you do this? What tips do you have for our listeners who are looking to keep their network connected? I think that's a really important question. And it's something that I have been kind of judged by from other people that maybe don't understand. They just see, okay, it's years later, Courtney's still keeping in touch with these players. For me, it's always been from the beginning, I've always viewed the athletes, um, coaches, whoever it is, as a coworker. Yes, I'm a sports fan, but I can say I haven't been starstruck by anybody that's been on any roster that I've worked with. Um, And I know I have a job to do, they have a job to do, let's try to make each other's lives as easy as possible. So no matter the role I've been in, I've always come in with the, hey, I'm in this role, here's what I do if you need me let me know. And that's just always clicked really well with the athletes. They also just being at the level that they're at, sometimes it's at a celebrity level, especially NBA players. They also um, don't necessarily trust everyone. So for me, I always took pride in the fact that, okay, this athlete knew that they could trust me. And it was always kind of like a professional friendship. And it's just it's worked out. I mean, with my podcast, you've seen, I've reached out and had players that I worked with, with the Suns in 2013. Um, And I take great pride in just being able to call them friends now. So when they're with the team, they aren't friends, they're coworkers, um, but still keeping those relationships where it's, whether it's a text, like congrats on the new team or you know, just those little touch points is something I would recommend um, with like former players if anybody wants to keep in touch with somebody that maybe they built a really good relationship with. Don't be scared to reach back out. Um, a lot of times people see a player leave and they're like, all right, see so you never 
And I think it's meant a lot to those athletes that I've reached out to with the families. We had a player, as you know, Wyatt Matheson in 2019. Um, Him and I, he was quieter. I don't think he did much on the partner level for me just because he's um, an introvert. But Caitlin, his wife, I got to know really well. Um, So she reached out to me when they were trying to move to Scottsdale. They had a Husky at the time in Arizona is really weird. But I was like, hey, let me call my former apartment complex. Let me see. So I helped them get in there. And it's those little things where it's like, yeah, you may not still be a player family with my team, but here's what I can do for you. And I ended up grabbing uh, coffee with Caitlin when I was back in town a few months later, saw Wyatt at NASCAR, and then recently just saw both of them in Tacoma. Um, So I know it's a very long-winded answer, but I hope these stories I'm telling just kind of shows, you know, just make sure that you understand their position, their role, what they need to do, but also understand that what your role is and how you can help them. And also just don't, I think this is a very obvious tip, but don't cross the line of they, anybody can get flirty as you know, I mean, we've seen situations happen you know how the guys are set like from the beginning, make it known that if they make any comments, you are not putting up with that. Like it's not, that's not the relationship that's going to be had with everyone. And I think that's, really helped it go a long way and make sure that those boundaries are never crossed. I think there's so many important things that you said there, you know, first don't be afraid to build relationships with the players. It makes their experience in your city playing for your team that much more enjoyable when they feel like they've got people that they can know, like, and trust and can help them out in the front office. It's the worst for them, I think when the front office walks around as a bunch of strangers. And so having um, that that type of, of relationship where it's reciprocal as well, like Courtney needs these guys to do reads for corporate partners. She needs them to get photos um, taken for activations. And man, that ask is so much easier when you've got the friendship laid. And I think you made a great point about setting boundaries from the beginning. You know, these are a lot of times the the ages match up with the people working in our front office and the players on the field. And sometimes that can put women and men in a tough situation. And so making sure that you're clear with your boundaries and your intentions and, Hey, you know, this is about work, but we can also be friends too. And, um, I'd love it if I could make your life easier while you're playing for our team, because a happier, healthier team in the clubhouse is a a happier, better team on the field. So I think you've done a great job of that and, um, had some great tips about keeping in touch as well. One of the the ways that you've contributed to our team in the past month is the Joe Torrey Safe at Home Night with uh, with the Reno Aces. It's a national program with minor league baseball that raises awareness for domestic violence. So I talked to Courtney before today's interview and said, hey, can I ask you some questions about this? And she said yes. And so I'm really looking forward to to talking more about why this night is important to you and for you to shine a light on a cause that's really important to you personally. Yeah, well, first off, I just wanna thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of take hold of this um, initiative. It's something that I know we had in 2019 
And just because of, you know, staffing, it obviously went to the community relations manager. So I didn't get to really have a footprint, but this was so important to me because I am a um, former victim, or I guess survivor is the better way to think of it, survivor of domestic violence. I was abused by my ex-boyfriend for eight months in 2015. He had been my best friend of 11 years. And to go through so much abuse, it really just changes your life. I have PTSD from it that I'm still kind of learning the different ways to handle it um, all these years later. And I've always been an open book. For me, the best way that I can heal is helping others. So I've always been very vocal. I've been on the news a couple of times in Arizona. Just, I think a lot of people don't understand domestic violence. A lot of people, when they hear that a victim um, went through it for so long is why did you stay? Um, you know, that was dumb of you to even put up with after the first incident. And I didn't understand until I actually went through it. So my mission has been, let's raise awareness as much as we can. Hopefully a lot of people that I'm talking to don't have any experience. Um, so it is eye-opening for them. But I know since I started telling my story that a lot of people that I've known and even some strangers have sent me private messages saying, hey, Courtney, either I went through this or I'm currently going through an abusive relationship and asking for advice. Um, so it's kind of a lot of weight on my shoulders, especially in the beginning when I was still working through PTSD and still being trying to be vocal at the same time about it. Um, but for this night specifically, I wanted to make it an important move to work in a local shelter. So we worked with Safe and Brace and they had, I think about 150 people out. So shout out to Mary, our new community relations manager who handled all of that. But 150 people got to spend the night away from the shelter, away from whatever negative situations they're going through and come out to a, a baseball game and just have fun. And at the same time, um, Safe and Brace had a table where they, I saw a lot of fans go up and talk to them. Um, they had video board. And for me, it was just so important to reach the most amount of people that we could um, and just tell, you know, a little bit of what victims, current victims go through and then what survivors um, still deal with post-abuse. I mean, huge round of applause for you on the execution of that event and also sending you a huge hug because you are a survivor. You use your voice to help others and that there's so much power in that. And the other point I want to make is that about sports and how you wouldn't think that a baseball game could have an impact on domestic violence and raising awareness. But Sports is about bringing people together, and we have this opportunity to elevate and highlight different causes. And you know, the Joe Torrey Safe at Home Night is something that has been done at ballparks all around the country in the month of July. And how special is that that we got to to take part in that, and that you were able to to be a part of that, to be so brave and and use your voice for good and and to help others. So I'm just. I don't mean this in, in the wrong way, but I'm so proud of you for, for what you've done. And I just feel like our team's so lucky to have a bright light like you in the front office to connect with the community. So I appreciate that. And I think it's also um, with you being the GM and just the 
you know, effort you've put in to make sure that the ACEs are the community, we're for the community. Um, and I think the Joe Torrey night was just one way to prove it, that, you know, we may not know every individual's story or their struggles, but if we're going to say that we're here for the community, let's show them, let's have them out to a game. Um, and so props to you as well for making that such, um, you know, an important uh, part of your job and your mission. Thank you. And we say that, you know, our ballpark is, it should be the front doorstep for the community. Like we open our gates to everybody. You're all welcome. And we exist to entertain Northern Nevada, create memories for these families. And really we're the last stop on the line before these players realize their dreams. So both of these last questions have been elevating those two areas that we're so focused on bringing great experiences to the community and elevating players to the next level. And I think you're a a great example of someone who's doing both connecting those partners, connecting the community efforts. And then you're also connecting with those players before we launch them to the big leagues. And I always say, how cool is that? These guys realize their dreams right here in Reno, Nevada. It's awesome. And I'm really bummed. So in 2019, when we had Chris Crone, I was so ready for the big Kevin Crone, big league call-up moment. And I think it happened on the road or something where we couldn't get footage. But I was like so looking forward to that because we have so many transactions. Big league call-ups happen all the time. But that was one where I wish I could have been a fly on the wall because both Kevin and Chris said how emotional it was. And you don't get that at any other level besides AAA baseball going to the bigs. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know the story, this is the world's greatest minor league baseball story. So in 2019, our manager, Chris Crone, who'd been a coordinator with the D-backs for, I think, about 12 years before he took took, uh, the skipper role in Reno and his middle son, Kevin Crone, is a minor league baseball player and was with the D-backs and he got assigned to Reno father coaching son at AAA baseball. And Kevin had never gotten a call up to the big leagues and never made his debut. And so we were all just silently waiting in anticipation. We didn't want to put any like bad energy out there to jinx the situation, but we're like, what if, what if father calls son? What if? And so I think we were about, I don't know, six weeks into the season. We were on a road trip to Tacoma and I saw an email come through that was travel plans for Kevin to fly out, to be with the big league team. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. And, uh, the guys were in Tacoma. And so Chris, Kevin's dad walks down the hallway at the hotel room after the game, knocks on his son's door and Kevin opens the door and Chris said, son, this is your big league call up. And they embraced and, you know, busted into tears and, and his dad got to drive him to the airport for his big league call up. And, you know, the emotion in that. And I, I love telling that story because isn't that every, every dad's dream, right? Every little league dad's dream. What if I, what if my kid makes it to the big leagues one day? And then lo and behold, like father got to tell son, you did it. Just, and I think the team was in San Francisco. Cause I think Chris ended up 
getting to go to a couple of Kevin's first games and like, how amazing is that? I can't even imagine. Yeah. I think Chris got on the plane like with him or right after him because he wasn't going to miss his call up. And so we had, um, who did we have step in? I don't remember if it was uh, badge, our hitting coach, so, someone, or maybe Gigi was our extra coach still at the time. Oh, yeah. So I think he stepped in, in the manager role. Chris sent me an email, Emily, I'm not going to be coaching the next two games. Cause I'm watching Kevin, uh, with, with his big league debut. And, and I said, well, there's no place you should be besides, uh, sitting there on, on, in those stands, watching your kid realize his dream. So how incredible that was for all of us. I think a story that we're never going to forget in Reno. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go visit leadershipisfemale.com, join our newsletter, check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder too and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the Association for People Who Work in Professional Sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. From finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, marketing, human resources, and analytics, the Assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. So Courtney, back, back to, uh, the, the job, back to the role, back to you as a young leader, got to ask you this question. I've been asking it to each woman I've interviewed in this series. And the question is, what do you look for in a manager? I'm kind of going to brag a little bit about Max. I'm going to send him this link as soon as the episode goes live and get on his good side. Max is one of the best managers I've ever worked for. Um, For everyone listening, he is our director of corporate partnerships. He's been with the team for, I think, five or six years, started as an account executive, um, worked his way up. Him and I, when I started, he was still a seller and an account executive. So we built that friendship first. Um, And then he got promoted to director. And especially during 2020, it was just him and I. We went from a department of five, including you know sellers and a, another account manager, um, a seasonal, and then it was just him and I um, doing kind of the grind because the rest is leadership team. And he just puts so much trust in me. And I think no matter what industry you're in, for your manager to trust you is huge. Um, I've seen in the past 
not necessarily with me, but with maybe former coworkers or whoever, if a manager has an ego that's like, I don't want my employee to take on this task because I'd rather get the credit and the glory for it. That's just from the start, that's going to be a bad situation for you because then you won't be able to grow and you won't be able to build your resume or, you know, just grow as an individual too, personally. So I look for somebody that puts a lot of trust in me, somebody that will let me have my hands in everything and take on everything, even if it looks like my list is 500 tasks long. Trust me that I can get it done because at the end of the day, I'm going to work hard for a manager that I love and that I trust. And I feel like every time I do something good, I'm making Max proud. And that's just what's really fulfilling to me. With Chrissy, Katrina, Anisha, and now Courtney, literally every young leader has said trust and to not be afraid to hand off those projects to them. Maybe they're ready, maybe they're not, but they're looking for that in order for their career growth. So that was one of the the things I was looking for in this series is like, what kind of synergies can we, can we pull from these people with all sorts of different experiences? Christy is with the San Francisco Giants. Katrina is in the NBA with the San Antonio Spurs. We've got Anisha in hockey with the New York Islanders and Courtney in AAA baseball. They're working not only in geographically different places of the country, but different sports for different managers, for different cultures. And every one of these women said trust. Trust is number one. Before I move on to the next question, I got to brag on Max Margulies a little bit as well. I've, I hired him and then three months later I left and moved to Houston. So I'm not going to take credit for his growth or anything, but I'm so thrilled that I got to be the person to bring him to the aces. He's been such a light in the company. One of the things I love most about Max is my oldest son, my uh, six-year-old Magnus, loves him. The minute we come through the doors at the ballpark, his first question is, is Max here? And he's up uh, at his desk, you know, shooting hoops at our, our mini hoop in the office. And, you know, we spend a lot of time together as, as colleagues and as coworkers. And when you have people who are genuinely great people uh, who care, it makes the experience uh, so much greater. So kudos to Max and he's having a, a great impact on Courtney and, and a great leader. And it helps that you guys are both such great people. Next up is, is what kind of career progress are you expecting? Where do you want to be in the next two years? And don't be afraid to answer this question because we work for the same organization. <laughs> I know I'm now I'm like, what do I say? But I think honestly, I've been asked this by just other people around the industry. I've always made myself, especially during COVID available. If anyone starting out has any questions, then I do get asked a lot of the time, where do you want to go? You've been in this for eight years. I think for me, the overall goal, and this is not just because you're interviewing me, but I would love to be a GM. Um, I see what you do. I feel like it's so, it's, a skill that you have to kind of just have naturally to be able to get along with a team um, and to understand the team. And I feel like because that's something I've taken such pride in that I would really do a good job, at least on the team ops side. I'm not afraid of public speaking or, you know, I know you are the face of the team and just watching you and all the tasks that you are assigned, which is 
especially during COVID, a little bit of literally everything with the team. That's just something that I think is so just enticing to me. And it's a long, a long-term goal, two years, who even knows at this point. Um, but down the road, for sure, I want to be able to keep building up those skills and those experiences to be a GM. Thank you for sharing. So honestly, with me, I was like, this is an awkward question for Courtney if she works for uh, for our team. But I, I think that's great. And I think, you know, for you, if you put your mind to it, you'll be able to do whatever it is you want to do. You've got the work ethic. That's number one. And you're finding your voice, which is number two. And you know, you can't be afraid to sing your own praises. So highlighting all the great work that you've done and um, you've, you've given as well. So sharing with others the lessons that you've learned, not just the highlight reel, but here's, here's some of the things that could be improved. And this is what I've learned. I think that's really important because it serves the sports community. So we talked about management. What type of culture is most ideal for you in a front office? Well, I think the culture, this is kind of, it's a culture within a main culture. It'll make sense once I explain it. But as you know, there's a lot of us that are around the same age that have now been here two plus years all working together. And I am really proud of the culture we've built. I think anybody can see that we're putting out a great product. And it's because at the end of the day, we all have different jobs that the you know roles and asks of us, we're going to butt heads. Um, you know, marketing's not always going to agree with sponsorship or game entertainment's not going to agree with something that a uh, rep wants to sell to a partner. But we have those really just healthy discussions where we all just try to hear each other out. And I think that's so rare to have so many departments that all just really understand each other. Um, so we could bicker, we could, you know, argue a little bit, raise our voices, whatever the situation is. But then at the end of the day, once we clock out, we can go grab beer across the street and just be friends and move past it and leave it at the door. Um, and I think that's really bettered the organization this season, um, just having so many people um, that get along. And just overall, I feel like it also helps, you know, leadership team and maybe newer people to see that there's a core group of us that have such a healthy, positive culture. Um, I think it just really spreads through the entire front office. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I've seen the the walls between apartment silos crumble over the last couple of years. And that's been a highlight of my career to watch that happen and see people work more, more efficiently together. And I think you really nailed it on the head, healthy discussions. Healthy discussions is a way better way to articulate arguments. So Courtney didn't say, hey, we're arguing between departments and people are, you know, planting their foot in the ground and not moving. It's what's best for the company, what's best for the organization, what's going to give the best presentation to the fans on the field. So all those things are being considered. And I think that shows also a maturity among the departments that you're looking at the health of the company as, as numero uno, um, but you're, you're growing as individuals through these discussions and finding a way to separate work and personal. 
So you might argue about an activation at the ballpark, but that doesn't mean that you can't go uh, share a beer across the street after the game. And I think it's a really good description of, of culture. Yeah, and it goes back to trust. Um, just working together for so long, um, we all really trust each other. Um, you know, Devin, Vince, AJ, Blake, all of us um, just really trust each other, not only as friends, but as coworkers. And we know, all right, I'm going to trust you with this decision. I'll let you get your way. If it goes wrong, I know you'll own up to it and we can change it in the future, but I'm going to place that trust in you. Uh, so just kind of tying that all back to the manager question. Um, that's huge as well in a culture. So what's been the biggest hurdle so far in your career? Oh man, I would just say um, growth. And it's not necessarily within one job, but it's just the way that my career has kind of bounced around with the seasonal jobs. Um, then at iHeart, I was kind of stuck with, I can either be an account executive um, coming out of my role, which I did not want to do, or I could try to push my way into marketing and production roles that just never open up. So growth has really been a struggle for me. I always want to be so loyal to where I am. And I truly love each company I've been at. I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed what I've done. But getting to a point where I'm like, okay, I want to grow. And just the jobs that I've been in haven't allowed for it. Um, so that's probably been the biggest hurdle is, okay, how can I find a solution to this? How can I do more without necessarily needing to take someone else's role? And I think that's a problem in sports too, just in general, a lot of roles, especially outside of minor leagues, if you're at the major league level, you're in such a, um, you know, defined role. Um, and sometimes a lot of people don't want to leave. They love the jobs that they're in. Um, so I would just say to anyone that wants to be in sports or entertainment with radio, um, just be prepared to have that hurdle, but also to understand your long-term goal and maybe the move that you would have to make to help you get over that hurdle. Yeah, that's a great point. Depending on the organization, you might have to move in order to move up. And that can be a challenge in more ways than one. Um, and the, the advice I'd really lend to that growth piece is a little bit of a reiteration of what I said earlier, be a great teammate because your legacy is tied to those around you. And especially in sports where it's such a small, um, small world, a small industry. Um, the second thing is not being afraid to highlight the great work that you've done. And there's a lot of ways to do it uh, now that we're so public with social media, but sharing the successes that you had at, uh, at work, you know, maybe it's, it's sharing a, an email that you got from a partner that talks about what a great job you've done. There's a way to share that professionally on LinkedIn that one, people are going to be cheering for you and that's, that's going to feel good. Um, but two, it's going to give other people permission to do the same, right? I think we want to create this positive environment where we can lift each other up. Maybe that becomes a goal for somebody else. Like, Hey, I got to get an email like that. You know, how can I go above and beyond for a partner? Um, so that I know that I have done a great job. And so that would be something that, that I would say, because the, the when the time comes for, 
you to take a new role, whether it's within the company or, or somewhere else, you want those hiring managers to see the great work that you've done. And it might not come through the voice of your manager. It could come from your posting to the public. And for those out there that are panicking, that are saying, Emily's trying to get Courtney a new job. I'm not. What I'm saying is that women specifically need to have a louder voice and the louder our voices get, the more opportunity is created for women in sports. And I would say too, um, I am all over social media as I know, you know, I post all the time. Um, but sports Twitter is one of the healthiest, most supportive environments um, I've been in. And I haven't met 95% of the people that I engage with um, on Twitter, but they're so great. Anybody that posts a win, whether it's a new job, a promotion, or just they did something really cool. There's dozens of people that are hyping them up. I know I always try to congratulate whoever um, is posting a highlight or a win. Um, so that would be my advice too. Um, just kind of get looped in that sports Twitter world, especially with the women in there, because we're all having each other's backs, hyping each other up, being our biggest cheerleaders. Um, so that's some advice that I would give people too that are kind of looking for ways to celebrate their wins. Well, the next question was naturally, what piece of advice would you give to young professionals? And I, you already answered it. So getting involved in social media, getting on, on Twitter, getting on LinkedIn, you know, having a voice on Instagram, I'm telling you, it is, it's career changing, getting involved and sharing your, your thoughts, your wins, even your losses in an authentic way that can help lead the next person forward to more success in their career. Is there anything else you want to say? Cause I sort of just said, you answered that question, but what else would you lend to young professionals? Um, well, one thing you touched on is the sports industry is such a small world. So I would say whether you want to go to sports or whatever, you can take this piece of advice. It's don't burn bridges. Um, always put a huge emphasis on building those relationships. You might not get along with everyone and that's fine. But for me, I always try to, the team aside and coworkers aside, like for me, it's the game day staff. I try to get to know every single usher, every single security member, custodial, like every single person, because I know how small the sports world is. Um, so always just be the best version of yourself because it can do nothing but help you down the road. And you never know, you know, where paths could cross again. You could meet somebody in your first job that could end up being the hiring manager 10 years down the road for what you're going for. Um, so that's my best piece of advice is just focus on your network and really try to nourish it all throughout your career. All right. Come the time for the final four questions. This, this podcast really leads to advice, right? We want to draw tips from the experiences of sports professionals and, and professionals in the industry period so that we can lead the next girl forward. So question number one, staying on the advice track, what is your best piece of advice for women? I know you and I had a really good heart to heart when I ran into an issue with this is sometimes girls and women can just be mean to each other 
in sports. They can try to turn around and stab you in the back for no reason at all. It's just the way some people are. And that goes for guys too. It's people in general. But for me, I've just realized I now gravitate towards the nicest women in sports. I'm going to give a few shout outs. I know some of them have been guests. Melanie Newman, Jessica Kleinschmidt, like Katie Wu, who was on my show. There's so many amazing women and go towards them, connect with them, um, avoid. It's always going to be the negative people that are going to be the loudest in your ear and that are going to want to follow you around and just complain and bring you down. Um, so my best piece of advice is just be a good person, but also really associate yourself with those good um, people in sports, because trust me, they're there and they're going to want to support you and they're going to want to build you up. Yes. So good. Great, great advice. Favorite place to travel or one place you would like to visit? So I went to Italy right after Christmas, 2017, I did Rome, Florence, and Venice. And that is hands down the best vacation I've ever been on. But I think places I would want to go. I always had London on my bucket list because I, there was a Mary Kate Ashley movie way back in the day, winning London that I was obsessed with. And I was convinced I was going to have Mary Kate Ashley's story out there. But since then I've kind of grown and learned about other countries. And for me, I think Madrid would be amazing. We connected there on our way back from Italy, um, but only saw the airport. That looks beautiful. And my brother is going to Greece I think in a couple weeks. And that is, I mean, it's just beautiful. I think that's definitely another populist place. Yes. Uh, all sound incredible. Um, what is the song you are playing on repeat right now? Gosh, well, we're in the middle of the baseball season. And because of that, I'm going to kind of hype up Devin because I, our game entertainment manager, because I, for the first several weeks of the season, I hated on his batting practice playlist. Every day, I was like, Devin, these songs are terrible. Like, the guys are going to hate it. Like, you really need to update your music. And I don't know if he changed it or if I'm just adapting to it, but our BP playlist is just what I listen to every day. So, like, there's, um, like, Body by Loud Luxury. I don't, I haven't told Devin this, but I Shazam most of his BP songs so I can download them without asking him what the names are. Hold Me Back by KB, um, K Calor by Major Laser. So that's, uh, that's what I've been listening to. That's awesome. And finally, what is your favorite quote? All right. So I had to think about this. And one that really, really struck with me, both on a personal and professional level, is Be Loud About the Things That Are Important to You by Karen Walrond. Um, I think 2020 was kind of the way for me to really put that to the test. And just as I've grown in my career too, I've learned it's important to have a voice, um, you know, bad or good, you know, just stand up for what I believe, what I'm passionate about. And so that's why I love that quote. Perfect ending to such a beautiful conversation with Courtney Baker, Corporate Partnerships Account Manager for the Reno Aces and host of Storytime Podcast. So check that out when you get a second. Just uh, search that on iTunes and find some great conversations with Courtney and all of the awesome people she's kept in touch with along her career. So Courtney, huge thank you to you. Thank you for sharing your voice with us on Leadership is Female. 
Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I was so ecstatic when I got your text inviting me. So thank you. I had a blast. Oh, my pleasure. Let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, get your foot in the door. In the early days, as you may have to take a role, you might not be crazy about to just get started. Number two, develop professional friendships. Courtney sets boundaries early and enjoys a clear friendship with players that helps her to enjoy her work at a greater level. She's cheering on not only her team, but her friends to win. Number three, get involved with social media. Her social media of choice, sports Twitter, is a friendly place and a great way to network. And number four, healthy discussions lead to great culture. Got something you need to say to your colleague? Have the conversation, get your ideas out, make a decision together on the direction the project is headed, then head to happy hour. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership is Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.